Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Okay. So, as you've known, for the last six weeks, we've, been, we've begun our series on the fire values, which are catch the, fire, catch the fire's values, but they're also our values. And the first one is the Father's love for us, revealed through Jesus Christ. And we, we did that for the first three weeks. And in the last three weeks, we've been pressing into intimacy. And, but now, today, we begin a, a, new, a new part of that, which is such a deep, deep aspect of, of the five values. And it's really been challenging me. And this has been the hardest sermon I've ever had to prepare for and write um, because it's so, so touching. And, but I'm just going to be laying the foundation for restoration of the heart. Now, when I began my study, I found out that the word heart occurs over a thousand times in the Bible, which is like a nudge from God saying, take a look at this thing. I'm trying to tell you that this is very important. If it keeps reoccurring, the Lord is trying to tell us to actually take another look, take another, take a pause, as everyone did earlier. Take a pause and take a look at what heart is. Because it keeps reoccurring. And so it occurs over a thousand times in the Bible. And one scholar says that the heart is primarily to refer to the ruling center of the whole person. So we know that we have the physical heart. We have the physical heart that pumps blood around the body. But that's not the heart we're talking about when we say restoration of the heart. Though God can restore that heart too. We're talking about restoration of the heart, which is the center, the very core part of us, the the, the center of us. And and the scholar says here that that the heart is the very center of our being, meaning that everything that we do runs through the heart. Everything, our, our will, our emotions, and our, our thoughts all has to first, through, first of all run through the filter, which is the heart. Which means that when something negative is, is in our heart, when our, in, our intentions might be good and our, we might want to do the right thing, but because our hearts may have gone through dif- difficult circumstances or situations, when it goes through the filter of the heart, the way that it can come across is negative. Are you with me, church? Am I making sense so far? Okay. So in modern terms, we would, we would refer to these three things that, as the character, personality, and mind. So, so these are the things that run through your heart before it comes out of your mouth. And the scriptures which, which I'm, I'm standing on for today is Proverbs 15, verse 13. And it says... A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Just going to read that again. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And the second verse I want to read is also from Proverbs, and it's Proverbs 17, 17, verse 22. And it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And now the last verse which I want to read, this is the center of everything that I'll be speaking of. And can you put this up on the board because I want us all to see it and I want us all to, to, to learn this and, and to meditate on it and to know this. It's Proverbs 4, verse 23. Can we have that?
Be patient with me, church. I'm going somewhere. Just laying the foundation, and we're going to get there in Jesus' name. Okay, so it says, don't know if you can see it, but it says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Because everything that you do flows from it. Earlier you heard me say that when we think and our emotions all flow through the center, which is the heart. And here the scripture is letting us know that we're called above all else to guard your heart for everything Everything you do flows from it. And so what that means is that, as I said earlier, when, when you're hurt or when you're joyful, that flows. And so what happens is that hurt contaminates the heart. And when, when, hurt, when you allow hurt to, to, remain, to remain and fester and you allow bitterness and you allow unforgiveness to remain and fester, what then happens is that whether you like it or not, you'll end up hurting people. Because hurt people hurt people. And that's why we're called, and that's why I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here of how important it is for us to, to, to know our hearts and, 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 to, and to allow God to heal our hearts. Because our hearts are like a garden. And this analogy fails in some places, but please travel with me. Because you can sow seeds in, in a heart, just like a garden. But you're also the gardener of your heart, in a, in a sense. Because you have the choice whether you allow those hurts and those pains to remain. Because other people, you are not in control of other people's behavior. But what you can control is how you respond to people's behavior. So somebody can hurt you, but... When your place is in, in heavenly places, it doesn't hurt. Well, it hurts, but your response is different. Your response is to run into the secret place that we were speaking about last week in intimacy, is to run to the Father and then allow those, those hurts and those pains to be healed by the Father. In Matthew 12, verse 33, and 34, it says, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And here Jesus is talking to some people, and he says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's the line I really want us to focus on. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, the very interesting thing about the heart is that the other day I cut my finger. You probably can't see it, but it hurt. Yeah, all right? <laughs> it hurt. So I cut... <laughs> Someone said, oh. <laughs> so, so I cut my finger, but I knew immediately once I cut my finger that time would heal my finger. When I broke my thumb, they put a cast on my thumb and they told me to come back in six weeks. I was like, huh? But they knew that time would heal my thumb. But the interesting thing about the heart is that time does not heal the heart. Do not be deceived, people of God. 
Time does not heal the heart. What sometimes time makes things worse because time sometimes allows things to fester. And before you know it, you'll be showing fruit that are evil. Before you know it, you'll be showing fruit that is bad because you've allowed something to grow in your heart that God doesn't want there. The only thing that can heal your heart, and the good news is that there is someone that can heal your heart. And I want to let you know this morning that that person is Jesus. The person that can heal your heart. It's not time, it's not, it's not patience, it's not kindness, but it's Jesus. When you go into the secret place of the Lord, he wants to reveal the brokenness of your heart. He wants to reveal the darkness of the circumstances that you've been with, and he wants to heal it. That's an influential and important part of intimacy. Yes, it's to change the world and we'll get there in about three weeks' time. But primarily, God is concerned about you. Come on, turn to somebody and say, God is concerned about you. God is concerned about you. He cares about your heart. He cares about your well-being. He cares about the pain that you've gone through. But he doesn't want just to allow that to remain. He wants to heal that pain. And so I'm going to share a bit about the children of Israel. I'm going to take you on two analogies to reiterate what the Lord is saying here about healing of the heart. Now, the first one is is a well-known one. But for some of you that won't know it, I'll just share it again. And And it's regarding the children of Israel. Now, we know that at the end of the book of Genesis, many of the Israelites were in Egypt because of the famine. Now, unfortunately, there was a change of rulership. And so the new leader, Pharaoh, who arose, didn't give the Israelites favor. And so the is, but God favored the Israelites. Come on, that's good news. God favored the Israelites. And so the Israelites grew strong and they exceeded the amount of the Egyptians. That's such a blessing. And so Pharaoh realized this. But Pharaoh said, said I'm going to kill all the children of the Israelites. I'm just paraphrasing. Go read it (laughs) in Exodus. And so here we have the the miracle that Moses was born. And though Moses, the enemy's destiny for Moses was to kill him there and then. But God did a miracle that allowed Moses' mom to raise um, Moses. And so, but Moses became, began to serve under the, the Egyptian rulership. But once when he was older, he became an adult. He saw the Egyptians killing an Israelite, and he arose in anger, and he killed the Egyptian. And then he had to flee. Stay with me, guys. I'm going somewhere with this. And so he, he, he comes to the midst of a burning bush, and he's, he's alarmed, and he's like, how comes that bush isn't being consumed? Another miracle. The Lord is calling him. And the Lord says to him in verse In Exodus 3, chapter 9 and 10. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. For the Israelites had been crying out to the Lord saying, release me from this bondage. Release me from this slavery. They had been crying out knowing that Yahweh could save them. And so the Lord hears their cry and he says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. 
I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so Moses does just that. He goes to Pharaoh and he, he says, let my people go. But we know that Pharaoh refuses to, to let his people go so easily. So they have a few back and forth. So I'm fast forwarding again. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And so eventually Pharaoh releases the, the Israelites. And so the Israelites are journeying to the promised land that God had said to, to Abraham. And just before they get to the Red Sea, the Egyptians are pursuing them. All they can see is death ahead of them because if they try and swim, swim, if they try and swim, this humongous sea will consume them. If they turn back, the Egyptians will kill them. So here they're at the face of death and behind them is death. What do they do? They trust in the Lord again. Moses releases his staff and they part the sea. I was thinking about this yesterday and I was just so amazed to think that the sea would have just parted in the midst of them. And they crossed the sea, and the the sea consumed their enemies. And on the other side, they rejoiced. They were happy. They were praising God. They sang songs of adoration. But I want to make a suggestion. The Israelites had gone through so much in, in the land of the Egyptians. Could it be that the reason why their praise turned to bitterness is because they didn't deal with heart issues. Could it be that when Moses reacts in such anger in Numbers chapter 20 because he hadn't dealt with some heart issues? People of God. God is calling us to deal with our heart issues. I'm going to give you one more analogy. I need six men. Six men. I'm just going to grab a chair from here. Six men, come up, please. (laughs) Thank you so much. Come on, five more. Thank you so much. Ladies, don't be offended. I just needed the broad shoulders. You'll see why in a minute. Okay. No, no. That would be a hard task. He just asked me if they needed to pick me up, and I was like, that would be a hard task. So, so I need one of you to volunteer to be the heart for me. One person. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to give him his instructions. Give me a moment. got it now. Can I borrow that mic? Thank you so much. Okay, so I just declare that none of these words that I'm going to speak over you are yours in Jesus' name. Can we agree on that? Amen. So I need one of you to be abuse. Can one of you be abuse for me? Abuse, can you just stand in front of him, please? Yes, please. 
facing him. Facing him. I need another person to be grief. Yeah, thank you so much. Can you stand on the side of him? I need another person to be broken trust. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I need one of you to be neglect. (laughs) Could you, could you, yes, stand by. And then you're going to be rejection. Is that all right? Okay, now, so I need you to interlock arms. Can you do that for me? Interlock your arms. And, and close the circle. Close the circle for me. That's it. Yeah, so nice and tight. Nice and tight. And so what happens to us is that our hearts receive pain. Our hearts receive rejection. Our hearts can receive abuse. Our hearts can receive neglect and can receive grief. And all of these things can happen to our heart. And what happens is that pain begins to fester. And then what happens is that our heart, we can no longer see things in the right lens. We can no longer see things in the right perspective. Because all that we see is that we see our grief. We see our pain. We see our suffering. We see all these things and they're surrounding us like giants. They're surrounding us like we can't defeat We can't defeat it. And they're surrounding us like Goliath. So, and all these things are surrounding us. But then, 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped on the scene. Come on. He was already in the scene, but he stepped on the earth. And he wanted to change that for all of us. And so what then we have to do is we have to ask God to heal our heart. Lord, heal my heart. Great acting. So (laughs) (laughs) it's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. We invite God into the circumstance. He loves you so much that he's already roaring to step into your situation. He's already roaring to step into your circumstance. And so all we have to do is say, God, heal my heart. And as we do that, as we ask the Lord to step into our heart, our perspective changes. We are suddenly seated in heavenly places. And the way that we see our problems are no longer the same. Before these problems were weighing him down, before his problems were overpowering him and and he couldn't see past his problems. But suddenly when he's invited the Lord into his heart, he can now see things the way God sees it. And But God does something way better than that. People always ask me, and I share this with the the 9 a.m., how comes you respond the way you do after the death of your mom? And they're shocked to hear, even Christians, that God can heal you from that. It doesn't mean that you don't miss them. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't want them to be around. But what it does mean is that he can heal that grief and that pain from you. And so that's the step better that God can do in your life. He doesn't just change your perspective, but he begins to allow some of these things to fall off. Now I forgot the order, so please forgive me. But he'll bring one at a time. So what happens is that he, God in the secret place, in the intimate place, rejection begins to fall off. Thank you so much. Rejection begins to fall off in the secret place because as you spend time with him, God tells you that he loves you. He tells you that he cares about you. He tells you that before the foundation of the earth, he created you with a plan and a purpose because he loves you. And rejection begins to fall off in the secret place. And then what begins to fall off is, 
Again, I'm not sure which order, but abuse, thank you so much. <laughs> abuse begins to, to fall off of you. <laughs> and, and some of those things that have clouded your judgment for so long that you thought could never break. Again, in the intimate place, in, as the Father's love is revealed to you in waves and in waves, abuse begins to fall off. And neglect. <laughs> <laughs> neglect begins to fall off because again as you're in the intimate place the Lord begins to reveal to you people that he's placed around you that's going to love you and show you the love of Jesus and even better than that the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of you to remove all neglect I really feel this one out in the spirit. And broken trust. In the secret place. Those that have, oh gosh, those that have hurt your heart. Broken your trust. <laughs> he wants to heal you from that. And we just sang that he is a promise keeper. And one of his promises is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So that broken trust is now broken in the spirit. Grief. <laughs> Grief just falls off. Just falls off. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. People of God, God does not want us to remain in the pain that we face. He wants to raise our perspective and change our perspective and heal wounds even in the deepest and darkest places. Bow your heads with me. Jesus is at the, the door of your heart right now. And he knows that room that you don't allow anyone in. That room that holds the pain that is too much to speak of. The room that holds the pain that you've hidden from so many people. And for some of you, even the pain that you didn't know that you're harboring all these years. And he's knocking on that door, asking you right now, will you let me in? Now in the quietness of your hearts, I want you to respond to the Lord. Will you let me in?